These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. My guest this week is Carmen Christopher, up-and-coming comedy it boy. You know, I, I, I don't know how to refer to Carmen. He's a, he's a friend of mine, good buddy from way back in Chicago, coming up in comedy. He is all over the place. He's, he's, he's at that phase of his career where you're seeing him drive David Letterman around in weird spots for whatever the award show was. You're seeing his, his web shorts all over the internet. I don't know why it took me a while to think of the word internet, but he's all around. Every comedian I know who knows him, loves him. He's super funny. I hope you like this episode with him. The way to hear my full conversation with him is if you go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. That link is in the show notes. You'll find links to follow Carmen, follow me, check out the other stuff I'm doing, the newsletter I'm writing. All of those links are in the show notes. The Patreon is the place to get more value for you, hear more content, and support me. Let me know that the work I'm doing, you think it's valuable, you like it, you want to see more of it, or hear more of it. Also, I want to thank my Pigeon Level subscribers on Patreon, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, and Fred Fidawa. Thank you very, very much. And if you listen to this show and you like it, I will be here at the end to remind you, but tell a friend about it. If that involves rating the show in your podcast app, reviewing it, sending it to a friend, texting, you know, real life human conversation, all that stuff is great. So thank you for listening and enjoy my conversation with Carmen Christopher. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like... What do you hope happens when you die? What do I hope happens when I die? For me or for the world? Either. Um, what do I hope happens when I die? I hope that uh, the people around me know that I lived a good life and they're not too sad about it. Well, they could be sad for a little bit, actually. But, um, yeah, like, I hope that I could go, where do I want to go with that? I hope that there's, that would be sick if there was, like, a heaven. And it's, like, the way that, like, it sounds in, like, the Bible, I was going to say storybooks, a.k.a. the Bible. (laughs) Or, I don't know, maybe not even that. I just, it would be cool if there was some sort of, like, I think it would be cool to live like an alternate life based off of all the things that you have already learned. So what do you mean? So basically if like I can like live, like I have these experiences that I lived through this life and I use those as knowledge in my new life to make better decisions, even better. Like reincarnation. Yeah reincarnation as yourself again so you're like three years old but you have the brain of carmen who lived to be 83 or whatever um but just a totally new person 
I don't, you could even be an animal or something. I don't know, dude. I don't fucking, damn, this is, I, I guess this is called the Afterlife, your podcast. I was, I, was I supposed to prepare this? This is on the no, spot? T- what the fuck, man? No, I mean, do you not think, do you think about this stuff? Um, I think that, no, I don't know. I think basically what I think like if I had to like guess what happens when you're dead, it's like I, I would like to think that my spirit is alive somewhere, somewhere, helping or guiding somebody. Um, but you don't reality, care if your specific consciousness survives. Um, I guess I never thought about it. To be honest, never. I mean, maybe I have, but like. I feel like wait, my consciousness is death kind of like dead. Does it freak you out? Is it not a big deal? Are you just like, well, I can't do anything about that. So, you know, I think it's what it is. I think it freaks me out because I don't want it to happen. But if it did have to happen and you know, it does have to happen. I want it to happen when I'm 100 years old on my 100th birthday and I want to do it myself taking a gun and blowing my brains out. (laughs) 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 I just think that would be a funny way to go. And it's also like you got to live to a hundred. That's like, what else? Why with a gun, dude? Would you, would other people be around you? No, 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 no. I'd be up in like the middle of like the Caribbean. Just be like, this is the happiest place I've been. Later. Why not some more peaceful way to go? Yeah, you're right. I mean, realistically, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't right. actually do this, obviously. Right. But maybe not obviously. But the way that I would actually, I would like to die on my 100th birthday in the middle of the Caribbean. <laughs> Just peacefully, peacefully. He just like and drift then, into sleep, basically. And then honestly, like what I want is it'd be sick if I was like a spirit who like could float around the world and go wherever I wanted and like look at stuff and shit. And like if there was other spirits that I could be like friends with and stuff, that would be cool. Basically okay. like have this like ghost life where you're like. But still inhabit friendly. like Earth. Yeah, inhabit Earth or wherever I want to go. Galaxies, near, far and beyond. All but that. this current universe, not like some alternate plane of reality. I mean, that could be on a different galaxy or universe. I, I kind of okay. like uh, I like the options that we have on Earth, and I haven't done them all. So I'm thinking as a ghost, maybe I could experience the rest of those. So where's your first stop if you're a spirit? Where do you, where do you go first? Probably just got to – oh, first of all, I'll probably go visit, you know, my mom. My, the people that have passed before me go say what's up to those spirits. Be like, I miss you. Okay. Guys. How, how is it up here? Give me the pointers. What's up? What's good? Miss you guys. Probably do that for like a few weeks. And then I'll start to travel the earth, going places I've never been. Cause you know, you what's the first place you go after you check in, get the orientation. Mm-hmm. What's the first place you go to? I'm going right back to the Caribbean where I died. <laughs> <laughs> This next question requires a little bit of setup. The prompt is, I want you to relive one memory. Because in my last show, 
which this podcast is based on, the Feed Wolf Ice Cream Show. I don't know if that crossed your algorithm or not, but that's you know a thing I spent several years of my life, including still now, working on. But I saw it in Edinburgh. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. So fuck you. I came to Scotland <laughs> to watch your show. Bullshit, dude. I know that's not true. So I was there okay. So show. I came to your show and I saw it and I liked well, it. Okay. Okay. In that show, you remember the the premise I set up of like getting to relive one specific memory in the afterlife. It's mm-hmm. like it's not exclusive. The rest of your memories aren't wiped. It's just that you have to choose only one to fully re-inhabit whenever you want. If that's true, what memory would you choose? So here's here's what I'm gonna say. I this is a this is just a simple thing that I can relive whenever. Yeah. Um I mean, it doesn't have to be simple. I can't really uh well it is simple. It is okay. simple. I can just relive this anytime I want. I'm like walking down the street and I can just go there. Yeah. I mean, technically in the prompt, you're in the afterlife, but sure. Okay. Um, it was when I was in the Caribbean <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> we took me, my sister, my niece and her uh, boyfriend at the time. We took these little speed boats. We had a little tour and they brought us out into the middle of the Korean. There was this little sandbar where you would look around and there was nothing but just like clear, clear blue water. You get into the water and it was, it's like bath water. It's just as warm as the temperature outside. Well, and it was just completely blue sky. And I just remember relaxing and laying down and being like, man, this feels better than anything in the world. What was the feeling? Was it was it purely peace. physical? Uh, peace, appreciation, and uh, yeah, peace and appreciation. Would you, do you think it would be the one you'd choose if your family wasn't there? How important are they to this memory? Um, I, I think, I think pretty important. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't. Give me the layout. Give me the layout. Are you, when you had this feeling, this, like the thing that you're remembering where you, cause it's, it's like, there's having the feeling, but then there's like noticing the feeling, right? So when you notice the feeling, were you on the beach? Were you in the water? If you're in the water, are you... The, I was in the water. Were you on your back, just like looking up? Were you looking out on the horizon? It was a combination of like looking up, seeing my family, and just seeing the blue. And like just not seeing, not seeing anything else around. Like there was nothing. There was truly nothing except for blue sky, blue water a little sandbar and the people as well. Which is interesting. Cause I feel like your life is mostly the opposite of that. You, you have, there's a lot of things in it. It's very loud and busy. Am I wrong in thinking that? Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. 
in thinking that. So is that, so it's interesting that you choose this moment. That's like the opposite of that. Hmm. <laughs> what are you thinking right yeah. now? I'm thinking like maybe it's, I think that I need to do all this stuff in order to get that, which in reality I can just go do that whenever. Feels like you have to like earn that peace moment. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Otherwise I would, yeah, I think so. What do you think if you, are you able to identify where that thing comes from of like trying to earn these moments? Yeah, so I think I have it too, but I don't know exact. I don't know exactly where is it. Is it like what do you mean? Like what the thing you- of like, oh, I think I need to do a bunch of this stuff to like get to the point where I can be satisfied, where I can deserve this more relaxed, more open, simple thing. Where does that come from? Um, like I'm thinking of myself. Like you like, wanna, I think it's a way of giving yourself some self-worth or something, you know? That's what I was thinking. I was like, is it low self-esteem? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so what did, I mean, what like crossed those wires for you that was like, oh, if I do things that will give me esteem or worth do you yeah like why do i do things to feel better and not just do like why do i do comedy essentially i don't know is is it just comedy it could be other things but yeah maybe probably with a lot of people i think it's work i think it's whatever their work is well i mean a lot of it is just like living my life to the fullest like I don't want to look back and never have any regrets. Like there's nothing like I'm doing what I want right now. Like there's no other, like, I think you have to have a career. I think I want to have one. And I think that like, if I didn't, like when I'm not doing something, I am like, um, not fulfilled. So it's like, even though this moment you were like ultimately fulfilled and you weren't doing anything. Yeah. So why don't I just go do that every day? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I don't think that's necessarily realistic. I just think it's worth remarking on. I just think it's interesting. There's balance. I think that was a moment of balance. That was like Mm -hmm. setting some balance. Balance between what? Um, Going hard and chilling hard. (laughs) Work hard, play hard. Go hard, chill hard. I say that. Go hard, chill hard. It's for the... uh, the new age folks out there. Yeah. Go hard, chill hard. I'm going to coin that. Go That's hard, your chill spiritual hard. slogan. Go hard, chill hard. Yeah, I'm about to tweet that. Anybody oh my God. Don't fucking oh my God me ever again. Are you really about, you're <laughs> tweeting that right now? No, I'm not tweeting it. Chill out. Okay, geez. Um, how, much am I getting, how much am I getting paid for this? Nothing, dude. Okay, so then if I want to tweet something during your podcast, I will. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you want to treat a friendship that way, then yeah, you definitely can. If Where I want to, I'm seeing if anyone's down here. 
No. Um, yeah, I could. Uh, tr- I don't think that's like a being a bad friend is tweeting during someone's podcast. You don't think? <laughs> you don't think not being fully present in someone's in a conversation is is uh, being a less than optimal friend during a thing they're trying to they've invited you in to collaborate on. First of all, I didn't fucking do it. Second of all, if I wanted to tweet, then I'm still a good friend. Yes. This is very. I think this is very essential to you is you're not actually doing it, but you're going to die on the hill of the fact that it would be okay if you did do it. It would 100% be okay. I mean, it's okay, I guess, but uh, you know, if that's how you want to live your life. You don't owe me for an hour. I could I didn't say I, I owe could, you. I, could I didn't say I owe you. I said it you're was okay. Like, you're acting like it. No, I don't think it. I would act very differently if I thought I owned you. I don't know. I think this is exactly how you would act. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So I'm trying to play manipulative, like psychological head games. Like, is that how you would be a good friend? If you t- don't tweet during my podcast, Carmen, that's, what you all, that's not, that's, that's not exactly what I said. Right? That's exactly how you sound. I'm that's not, not how I sound. I don't even think it's good enough tweet to tweet. Second of all, if it wasn't good enough it? tweet to tweet, then I would, Go ahead, fucking tweet it. If it was good enough to tweet, I would have tweeted it. I wouldn't have felt bad about it either. Okay. You know, you say say that I would say, hey, I'm going to excuse me. I'm going to tweet while you go take another fucking one minute and 20 second piss. This will take 10 seconds. And I'm the one being passive aggressive, though. I never said I wasn't or was. And I never said you were or weren't. So don't yeah, you did. put it in my mouth. Now you're yeah, being you a bad friend. You're putting, I never said those words. We can go back and listen to the tape right now. Hey, man, if this is what makes you feel comfortable, if you if we get to a moment of vulnerability and you need to go you immediately do a left turn and make it about busting each other's balls instead of just sitting in a moment of wondering what life's about and discomfort, then I get that. You know, If, if you have to do that to – survive then you have to do that to survive that's cool all right bro (laughs) okay i want to know what's your coma so in the sense that for me right like my actual coma it's like i was one person before it's more complicated than this but essentially i was a different person after and it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but what is a moment of transformation like that for you where you were one thing before and either different after or like something had been stripped away, but you were in some ways a new person? I think I remember freshman year of high school. That was like my lowest that I'd ever been. Um, How so? Just because it was like new, like high school, like parents divorced, going over to my dad's house every other weekend, bad relationship with my brother, fighting all the time, not many friends in high school, my freshman year. Um, well, like I had friends, but like I didn't hang out with anybody. And then like trying to fit in with like my f- with people. And then I think like, I don't know. I made the decision that like, I wasn't gonna, I was going to start doing what I wanted to do. 
after that. And then I started having a better experience. What do you mean you start doing what you wanted? What weren't you doing that you started doing? Well, like the next, the following year, I like, I joined the football team, um, which was like great for me. I, uh, I like started dating girls, uh, which was fun. <laughs> you know, still, still is still, still single. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, I kind of like, kind of stopped going to my dad's every other weekend. Cause it was just like a time suck. And I was like, not making friendships with people and kind of built like a friend group. And like, yeah, it was just like, I remember just being like, just sad all the time. My freshman year about like that. I wasn't like hanging out with people. And then I like made the real effort and like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it turned like high school got better as each year went on. What, what bottomed you out? Like what helped you realize that and what flipped the switch? I don't know that there was a specific like one moment. I think it was just building upon building of week after week, kind of going to um, the lunch table and like sitting with people who had all these like cool weekend plans. And I was like not doing anything. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. You guys like do stuff. I need to like do stuff. Were you not invited? I don't think I was at first. I think I had to like insert myself and then I was started getting invited. Okay. So it wasn't like people kept you out. They just didn't think to invite you. Yeah. I think it was like, I'd like sat at a table where it was a bunch of kids who had already went to, um, they went to grade school together. And I sat with a bunch of kids that I didn't go to grade school together. I don't know how I sat with them I, because they were like all already friends and they were actually pretty nice to me. And they were like pretty good kids. Cause it's kind of crazy to like, be sitting with people at lunch who you're like cool enough with them to sit with them at lunch, but then hang out with on the weekend. Yeah. Get invited. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what happened. Were when you started making friends, was it with those people or did you have to like choose a different friend? No, there was one specific person at that table who I became friends with. And then that kind of was like, I started becoming friends with, all of them. I remember just two of them, honestly, out of all of them, but they all have the same feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does make sense. So what were um, you doing before when you were not going out and not hanging out? Um, I would go to my, either my dad's house on the weekend, or I would not go out. I would, Oh, I would like, but what would you do? I don't like masturbating shit. Fucking <laughs> watched uh, watch Dawson's Creek and eat the Rice Krispie Treat cereal and Flaming Hots. Um, just be sad. Yeah. Fuck. Were you so before your parents' divorce? Were you like? Were you up Ooh. and happier and more social? Well, the thing is, no, they got, they got divorced when I was like in preschool. So it was like my whole life oh. kind of, yeah. Okay. But so like, then- I was like a troublemaker from up until like high school. I was like in trouble what, and stuff. What kind of trouble? Like, you know, like 
fuck. Getting into fights, like smoking cigarette butts off the ground. Like, <laughs> how old? How old were you when you smoked cigarette butts off the ground? First time I smoked a cigarette butt off the ground, I was in fourth grade. And then we stopped because we saw the the town hunchback uh, picking them up, picking cigarette butts off the ground and chewing on them. So we were like, "Ew, gross! We don't want to eat. We don't want to smoke that." The town hunchback? Yeah, there was like a town hunchback, like a, a homeless woman who was a hunchback. That's what we were little kids. That's probably rude for me to say as an adult, but that's what we called her then. That's what's in my head. Yeah. But uh, okay, sorry, edit that out. Whatever. Um, no, I'm not editing that out. That's like, it's, I don't think that's offensive. That's just the way that you thought you're just describing the way you thought as a kid. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that shit was that. Okay. So you're doing that. Were you running with a specific crew? Yeah. 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 We were like, and that wasn't the crew, crew you were in in high school. No, by eighth. So like in sixth grade, basically like my, what happened in sixth grade? It was like in sixth and seventh grade, there was four of us and we were like the bad kids who we also thought we were like the cool kids, but people probably hated us. Okay. We like, we had like the muscle of our group was this one kid who ended up transferring schools in eighth grade. So by the time he left in eighth grade, everybody wanted to beat our asses. (laughs) Oh, two, two out of four of us transferred. And then my other friend, would always get suspended because he was bad. So I was like making new friends. I was basically like hanging out with all the kids that played basketball. I would play basketball like every day I hung out with. Yeah. I was hanging out with those kids, but by high school it was like just like a new beginning. And I had already been to like the other school that transferred there. Like I transferred schools Okay. In grade school. So I like knew a lot of the kids already. And like, there were like two feeder schools into the high school. What was that? There were like two feeder schools into the high school. I think there was a total of what, at least four. And you went to two. Four. There were two and I went to, yeah, there were four and I went to two of them. Yeah. So I knew a lot of people, but it was like kind of like a weird navigation of like, who's friends with who, who am I friends with? And then my friends from grade school were all like doing their own thing. And then I was like, yeah, I think I wanted to be friends with the people that I eventually was friends with, but I think it was like a journey to get there in a weird way. So it sounds like the real thing that spun you out was like losing the, this friend group and the identity that came with that friend group. Yeah, maybe. Totally. Yeah. Even though the friend group was like... Starting over and being kind of a bunch of nothing. Being a nothing. (laughs) Even even though when you were something, it was like a bully troublemaker. Yeah. Well, the thing about bully, it was like... I don't even know if that's fair to say because I was like a bully. I was like a bully that got beat up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like an unsuccessful bully. I was like the most unsuccessful bully. Yeah. It was basically... I was just like reacting off of like my home life like basically like how my brother treated me you know what i mean so then so okay i mean did it feel like a spiral like from like you said pre-k or preschool up through like eighth grade 
did it feel like it was just like things were like kind of trending downhill, like lost in the fucking desert? Like not as much of like, I think I always have had a spirit of like, I will be okay and I will do okay. But I do think that I wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. So I had to change it. I don't think I was satisfied with the fact of like not being friends with people and being mean to people. And like, cause sometimes I would joke with people and they would just think I was being mean. And I was like, Oh, I got to get better at joking. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to like laugh and connect, but I was like, right. Oh. So I have to like get better at this basically. Sure. What was the identity that came with the new friend group in high school? Oh, basketball. I made the, I made the basketball team. Oh, that. So in grade school, I like, I tried out every year, six, seventh, and eighth. I never made it. And honestly, it was kind of bullshit. I think I didn't make it because I was a troublemaker. They didn't want me on the team Mm -hmm. because then we went to freshman and there were some bad people that made the team. Like (laughs) kids shot like free throws over the backboard. Once I remember seeing, I was just like, wanted to throw up. I was like, how am I not on this team? Uh, I can't really help them. But then we went to high school. So, you know, you have, instead of competing with just 15 right. people to make the team, now all of a sudden there's a hundred people trying out and I made the team. Mm-hmm. And so like freshman year, that was actually like the one thing I had going for me. And I was like on the basketball team. I was like, this is cool. But then I was like, I want to play football. I loved football. I'd always play like playground football with in grade school growing up. And then I was just like intimidated, I guess. And I even played on uh, the, the little league uh, football team once in like fucking young grade school. And I was like, I'm going to go out for the team. And then I did. And I played sophomore, junior, senior year. And a lot of my friends were made through that. Okay. So it was like being identified as like a sports guy. I think that was like partially like cool and good for me because I think like I always wanted attention from girls and I think that they liked that. <laughs> I okay. thought it was a way I think I thought it was like a thing to like hang my hat on, but in reality like I was like uh, I like we had a really really good teams but I like definitely rode the bench. <laughs> okay. but i was like my role i thought like we we'd always like fuck around and that was another thing that's that's where i was like i'm just gonna goof off and try to be funny well do you think that like because i always thought it was like funny and also kind of made sense in some ways that you had this like i don't know if you'd call it legit like i think a lot of comedians who don't know other industries than like administrative assistant would call logistics a corporate job it doesn't feel like the same way that like someone in the finance industry is like a corporate job sure but do you feel like that kind of certainly it feels like the sports crowd getting in with them could have set you on a trajectory to like being the big money maker guy that that i feel like you were right before you made the big switch to comedy do I think sports put me, I think that could have partially put me in the direction, like winning, succeeding. I think like, you know, America is like very much built on that. And like, I think those kind of coincide in, in similar ways. I, I think the combination of that and my family, like, I think my, 
my mom always putting pressure on me to like save money and mm. you know i was always aware of how much shit cost and i never really asked for too much because you know we weren't rich and i was the youngest and whatever but like i um you know we come from a very working class family but i think like you know i was the first person to go to college in my family too so i was very aware that like it was costing my family a lot of money so i think mm. i put a lot of emphasis on like trying to get a job that would make money back so that i can pay my mom back in some sort of way you know okay yeah like just making it worth their worth yeah but did it feel like being a jokester which turns into doing comedy proper at some point was like gnawing away at you before you actually started pursuing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do. Cause I, there was, um, there was like a, a few summers where I was like, kind of like, I don't know. I, I started making like pretty good money at this sales job. And I was like, huh? Like, well, first of all, day one, I remember looking at the at the girl next to me and saying, like, wait, this is what we're doing for our lives. And she was like, it's not so bad. She's like from Michigan. I was like, yes, it is. I didn't say that. She's like, she was like, what do you want to do? And I remember like saying I wanted to be an actor and she like laughed at me. I was like, fuck you. But I didn't, I didn't say that. But I was like, she like laughed at me. I remember. And then I was like, then obviously, you know, I stayed there for eight years but it was five years and i started doing classes at second city but yeah it, it was gnawing at me i was like i can't do this for the rest of my life but that job gave me the confidence to do comedy because i was like if i can be successful at this thing that i do not care at all about then i can do anything like i really thought that um I was like, what if I just did something that I really like? And at that time, I remember I was like, just always like trying so hard to make my friends laugh. And I was good at it. It like worked. So I was like, what if I just did that? And I lived like a block from Second City. And I remember signing up for classes and just being like, like not being able to go to sleep that night. Cause I was like, I figured out what I want to do. And even though it was like, we were playing zip zaps up, like straight up, like the lamest, like most yeah. like rudimentary, like intro improv class. I was like, this is it. I figured it out. Like straight up like that day. I was like, I figured it out. That's really funny because I feel like the lesson that people that you hear people say from when they had some stifling job is and started pursuing whatever creative thing they actually wanted to do was just like the, it's all about the freedom. They're like, finally I could like live my life, but it's really interesting to say I was faking it so well at this job that I could take the confidence of that faking it and turn it into doing well at this other thing. I'm just repeating what you, what you just said. I'm not like saying anything. I don't know that I would call it faking it though, because I earned everything I earned there. Like I worked really really hard. Oh yeah. 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 Sorry. Right. I I guess, (laughs) I guess that speaks to my belief that all confidence is fake and, and not real. And, and there's no no way of actually being confident. I think the, the, the way I think confidence is earned through 
hard work and repetition. And like I had confidence that I could be successful because I worked hard at something and for the first time in my life and was successful. But I didn't care about it. I had no passion about it the way that I have. That's what I mean like, by like faking it. It's not that you were like faking the confidence, but just that you were doing well at something you didn't care about and that you could take that, you know, what it, I don't know what you'd call it, work ethic, talent, passion, whatever, and, apl- and applied in a different arena. It's like, oh shit, now the puzzle fits together. Yeah, now the puzzle fits together. For sure. Yeah. It is a thing though. It's interesting because like I am at this point now where I'm like, cool. Things are finally like starting to work career wise. And I've totally like neglected other parts of my life that I'm like, that now I can like feel comfortable with like exploring a little bit more, you know, like what? I think just like having like a serious relationship, like leaning in towards like potentially like having a family Mm. and like, I'm learning Spanish, like trying to learn it fluently. Like I didn't have time for that shit. I was like, I'm trying to like get good at this job and not that I'm like fully like satisfied there yet, but I'm like giving myself time for other stuff, which I think is kind of cool and fun but it does feel like you've arrived in a certain way not the final destination but it does feel like you've arrived in some way thanks dude that's sweet no i'm asking you does it oh does it um <laughs> i thought you were i thought you were claimed i thought you were putting the st- i thought you were well i'm wondering stuttering. dude i mean i'm wondering like from my like you know to like my specific stake in this is like the, the feeling you know very well of like struggling and striving for a long time and being like, when I just get to X point, then I'll be able to breathe a little bit. And then the response to that is always like, yeah, but there's always going to be some next goal. And it's like, yes, but in the same way that people tell you money doesn't buy happiness, it's like been proven that a certain amount of money does buy you <laughs> Yes, for <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> you know? So for like, sure. So the like, does yes. Do you feel the same way about career success, where like you've gotten to, and I don't mean to say forever or anything. I'm not trying to like paint you into a corner, but that you've gotten to a certain amount of career success that you are able to breathe more than when it just felt like I could quit at any moment and no one would give a shit. Yes. What was that? What did, do you can you pinpoint when that moment was? Um, I don't think there's a moment. I think that it's been a gradual unraveling of different things that have been happening and things that are coming up that I'm like, I can like not totally rest, but I can totally be like, you know, oh, this is dope. I'm getting to work on things that I want to work on and I'm getting jobs that I want to get. And um, that's great. And I'm going to try to do my best at those. But I've also, I've worked so hard to get those that I've completely like zeroed in on comedy, on writing, on performing that I, that I shut the door to any other thing because I was like, this is, this is what I want. I know it takes like a lot of sacrifice and dedication, so I'm just going to go for it. And like want it in the sense of like, uh, 
I think like, I don't know. I just think that like, I just don't, I just, I just don't want to ever go back to like that sales job I had, you know? And I know that having a career doing what we're doing is so hard. And I was like, I just can't, like, I just don't think I could be happy if I was, I don't know how many things I can do in this world. Like, I think I could do the sales thing. I think I could do a lot of different things, but I don't know how many things I can do that would make me happy. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? So Yeah, that you can force your nervous system to do for right, decades. Right, right. So it's like, I think this, like having a good career is really, uh, like having like a job I'm doing that I like is really important to me because it's like, you do it forever, <laughs> you know, you have to do it to like live. I think I come from a, like a, a world of like, you got to have a job. You got to have a job. Like I've always had, I had two jobs in college. I've always, I've had a job my whole life. It's like, you know, come from a family. It's like, you got to have a job to eat. Like nothing was just like given to me type of thing. So it's like, it feels probably important just by nature of like the environment that I grew up in, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe that's for everybody. I don't fucking know. Shit. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think rich kids in Hollywood are like, I need to work. They're more like, I need to follow. I don't know what the fuck they do. Yeah. But I would say 98% of people are not rich kids in Hollywood. Yeah, that's true. I would say. So I think most people grow up with the idea that you need to have a job to eat. That sounds pretty, pretty standard. Yeah. Okay. Well then just delete this podcast. That's the show. Thanks again for listening. Follow Carmen and me at all those links in the show notes. Go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. If you want to hear the full episode, if this was just a test drive and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see, see if I liked it. Well, hopefully if you're still listening, you liked it and you can go there and hear more of it. So do that. Tell people, you know, about the show and I will talk to you next week. You can do miracles. Miracles, you can do them, have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do.